Section eight of Over Prairie Trails by Frederick Philip Grove. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. A call for speed. I held the horses in at the start. Somehow they realized that a new kind of test was ahead. They caught the infection of speed from my voice, I suppose, or from my impatience. They had not been harnessed by the ostler either. When I came to the stable, it was in the forenoon, too, at an hour when they had never been taken out before, the ostler had been away hauling feed. The boys whom I had pressed into service had pulled the cutter out into the street. It was there we hitched up. Everything then had been different from the way they had been used to so when at last i clicked my tongue they bounded off as if they were out for a sprint of a few miles only i held them in and pulled them down to a trot for of all days to-day was it of the utmost importance that neither one of them should play out at half-past twelve a telephone message had reached me after having passed through three different channels that my little girl was sick and over the wire it had a sinister lugubrious reticent sound as if the worst was held back details had not come through so i was told my wife was sending a call for me to come home as quickly as i possibly could nothing else it was thursday the sunday before i had left wife and child in perfect health but scarlatina and diphtheria were stalking the plains the message had been such a shock to me that I had acted with automatic precision. I had notified the school board and asked the inspector to substitute for me, and twenty minutes after word had reached me, I crossed the bridge on the road to the north. The going was heavy, but not too bad. Two nights ago there had been a rather bad snowstorm and a blow, and during the last night an exceedingly slight and quiet fall had followed it just now i had no eye for its beauty though i was bent on speed and that meant watching the horses closely they must not be allowed to follow their own bent there was no way of communicating with my wife so that whatever i could do was left entirely to my divination i had picked up a few things at the drug store things which had occurred to me on the spur of the moment as likely to be needed but now i started a process of analysis and elimination pneumonia diphtheria scarlatina and measles all these were among the more obvious possibilities i was enough of a doctor to trust my ability to diagnose i knew that my wife would in that respect rather rely on me than on the average country town practitioner all the greater was my responsibility since the horses had not been fed for their midday meal i had in any case to put in at the one-third way town it had a drug store so there was my last chance of getting what might possibly be needed i made a list of remedies and rehearsed it mentally till i felt sure i should not omit anything of which i had thought then i caught myself at driving the horses into a gallop it was hard to hold in I must confess that I thought but little of the little girl's side of it, more of my wife's, most of all of my own. That seems selfish. 
but ever since the little girl was born there had been only one desire which filled my life where i had failed she was to succeed where i had squandered my energies and opportunities she was to use them to some purpose what i might have done but had not done she was to do she was to redeem me i was her natural teacher teaching her became henceforth my life work when i bought a book i carefully considered whether it would help her one day or not before i spent the money deprived of her i myself came to a definite and peremptory end with her to continue my life there was still some purpose in things some justification for existence most serious-minded men at my age i believe become profoundly impressed with the futility of it all unless we throw ourselves into something outside of our own personality life is apt to impress us as a great mockery i am afraid that at the bottom of it there lies the recognition of the fact that we ourselves were not worth while that we did not amount to what we had thought we should amount to that we did not measure up to the exigencies of the eternities to come children are among the most effective means devised by nature to delude us into living on modern civilization has on the whole deprived us of the ability for the enjoyment of the moment it raises our expectations too high realization is bound to fall short no matter what we do we live in an artificial atmosphere so we submerge ourselves in business profession or superficial amusement we live for something do not merely live the wage slave lives for the evening's liberty the business man for his wealth the preacher for his church i used to live for my school then a moment like the one i was living through arrives nature strips down our pretenses with a relentless finger and we stand bare of disguises as helpless failures we have lost the childlike power of living without conscious aims sometimes when the aims have faded already in the gathering dusk we still go on by the momentum acquired inertia carries us over the dead points till a cog breaks somewhere and our whole machinery of life comes to with a jar if no such awakening supervenes since we never live in the present we are always looking forward to what never comes and so life slips by unlived if my child was taken from me it meant that my future was made meaningless i felt that i might just as well lie down and die there was injustice in this i know i was reasoning as it were in a phantom world actualities outlooks retrospections my view of them had been jarred and distorted by an unexpected stunning blow for that it did not really matter how things actually were up north i had never yet faced such possibilities they opened up like an abyss which i had skirted in the dark unknowingly 
true my wife was something like a child to me i was old enough to be her father older even in mind than in actual years but she too by marrying an aging man had limited her own development as it were by mine nor was she i after all my child was the outlook without her was night such a life was not to be lived there was the lash of a scourge in these thoughts so that i became nervous impatient and unjust even to the horses peter stumbled and i came near punishing him with my whip but i caught myself just before i yielded to the impulse i was doing exactly what i should not do if peter stumbled it was more my own fault than his i should have watched the road more carefully instead of giving in to the trend of my thoughts a stumble every five minutes and over a drive of forty-five miles that might mean a delay of half an hour it might mean the difference between in time and too late i did not know what waited at the other end of the road it was my business to find out not to indulge in mere surmises and forebodings so with an effort i forced my attention to revert to the things around and nature with her utter lack of sentiment is after all the only real soother of anguished nerves with my mind in the state it was in the drive would indeed have been nothing less than torture had i not felt sometimes even against my will mostly without at any rate consciously yielding to it the influence of that merriest of all winter sights which surrounded me the fresh fall of snow which had come overnight was exceedingly slight it had come down softly floatingly with all the winds of the prairies hushed every flake consisting of one or two large flat crystals only which on account of the nearly saturated air had gone on growing by condensation till they touched the ground such a condition of the atmosphere never holds out in a prolonged snowfall may it come down ever so soft-footedly the first half-hour exhausts the moisture content of the air after that the crystals are the ordinary small six-armed stars which bunch together into flakes but if the snowfall is very slight the moisture content of the lower air sometimes is not exhausted before it stops those large crystals remain at the surface and are not buried out of sight by the later fall these large coarse slab-like crystals reflect as well as refract the light of the sun there is not merely the sparkle and glitter but also the color play facing north you see only glittering points of white light but facing the sun you see every color of the rainbow and you see it with that coquettish sudden flash which snow shares only with the most precious of stones through such a landscape covered with the thinnest possible sheet of the white glitter we sped a few times in heavier snow the horses were inclined to fall into a walk but a touch of the whip sent them into line again i began to view the whole situation more quietly 
considering that we had forty-five miles to go we were doing very well indeed we made bell's corner in forty minutes and still i was saving the horse's strength on to the wild land we turned where the snow underfoot was soft and free from those hard clods that cause the horse's feet to stumble i beguiled the time by watching the distance through the surrounding brush everybody of course has noticed how the open landscape seems to turn when you speed along the distance seems to stand still while the foreground rushes past you the whole countryside seems to become a revolving horizontal wheel with its hub at the horizon it is different when you travel fast through half open bush so that the eye on its way to the edge of the visible world looks past trees and shrubs in that case there are two points which speed along you yourself and with you engaged as it were in a race with you the distance you can go many miles before your horizon changes but between it and yourself the foreground is rushed back like a ribbon there is no impression of wheeling there is no depth to that ribbon which moves backward and past you are also more distinctly aware that it is not the objects near you which move but you yourself only a short distance from you trees and objects seem rather to move with you though more slowly and faster and faster all things seem to be moving in the same direction with you the farther away they are till at last the utmost distance rushes along at an equal speed behind all the stems of the shrubs and the trees and keeps up with you so it is truly in life my childhood seems as near to me now as it was when i was twenty nearer i sometimes think but the years of my early manhood have rushed by like that ribbon and are half swallowed by oblivion this line of thought threw me back into heavier moods and yet since now i banished the hardest of all thoughts hard to bear i could not help succumbing to the influence of nature's merry mood i did so even more than i liked i remember that while driving through the beautiful natural park that masks the approach to the one-third way town from the south i as much as reproached myself because i allowed nature to interfere with my grim purpose of speed half intentionally i conjured up the vision of an infinitely lonesome old age for myself and again the sudden palpitation in my veins nearly prompted me to send my horses into a gallop but instantly i checked myself not yet i thought on that long stretch north beyond the bridge there i was going to drive them at their utmost speed i was unstrung i told myself this was mere sentimentalism no emotional impulses were of any value careful planning only counted so i even pulled the horses back to a walk i wanted to feed them shortly after reaching the stable they must not be hot or i should have trouble then we turned into the main street of the town in front of the stable i deliberately assumed the air of a man of leisure the ostler came out and greeted me i let him water the horses and waited 
watch in hand they got some hay and five minutes after i had stopped i poured their oats into the feeding boxes then to the drug store it was locked i hunted the druggist all over town for nearly twenty minutes everybody had seen him a short while ago everybody knew exactly where he had been a minute before but nobody could discover him just then i worked myself into a veritable frenzy of hurry the moisture began to break out all over my body i rushed back to the livery stable to tell the ostler to hitch up again and there stood the druggist looking my horses over i shall not repeat what i said five minutes later i had what i wanted and after a few minutes more i walked my horses out of town it had taken me an hour and fifty minutes to make the town and thirty-five minutes to leave it behind one piece of good news i received before leaving while i was getting into my robes and the ostler hooked up he told me that no fewer than twenty-two teams had that very morning come in with cordwood from the northern correction line they had made a farm halfways to town by nightfall of the day before the rest they had gone that very day so there would be an unmistakable trail all the way and there was no need to worry over the snow i walked the horses for a while then when we were swinging round the turn to the north on that long twenty-mile grade i speeded them up the trail was good that just about summarizes what i remember of the road all details were submerged in one now and that one was speed the horses which were in prime condition gave me their best sometimes we went over long stretches that were sandy under that inch or so of new snow with sand blown over the older drifts from the fields stretches where under ordinary circumstances i should have walked my horses at a gallop once or twice we crossed bad drifts with deep holes in them made by horses that were being wintered outside and that had broken in before the snow had hardened down sufficiently to carry them there of course i had to go slowly but as soon as the trail was smooth again the horses would fall back into their stride without being urged they had as i said caught the infection my yearning for speed was satisfied at last four sights stand out the first is of just such bunches of horses that were being brought through the winter with practically no yard feeding at all and consequently their healthy outdoor looks and their velvety rumps were very conspicuous as they scattered away from the trail on our approach several times we dashed right in among them and i had to shout in order to clear the road they did not like to leave the firm footing on the trail where they fed by pawing away the snow on both sides and bearing the weeds sometimes a whole bunch of them would thunder along in a stampede ahead of us till they came to a cross trail or to a farmyard there we left them behind sometimes only one of them would thus try to keep in front while the rest jumped off into the drifts but being separated from his mates he would stop at last and ponder how to get back to them till we were right on him again 
there was then no way to rejoin those left behind except by doing what he hated to do by getting off the trail and jumping into the dreaded snow thus giving us the right of way and when at last he did so he felt sadly hampered and stopped close to the trail looking at us in a frightened and helpless sort of way while we dashed by the next sight too impressed me with the degree to which snow handicaps the animal life of our plains not more than ten feet from the heads of my horses a rabbit started up the horses were going at a gallop just then there it jumped up unseen by myself until it moved ears high eyes turned back and giving a tremendous thump with its big hind feet before setting out on its wild and desperate career we were pretty close on its heels and going fast for maybe a quarter of a mile it stayed in one track running straight ahead and at the top of its speed so that it pulled noticeably away every hundred yards or so however it would slow down a little and its jumps as it glanced back without turning by merely taking a high flying leap and throwing its head aloft would look strangely retarded as if it were jumping from a sitting posture or breaking with its hind feet while bending its body backward then seeing us follow at undiminished speed it would straighten out again and dart away like an arrow at the end of its first straight run it apparently made up its mind that it was time to employ somewhat different tactics in order to escape so it jumped slantways across the soft central cushion of the trail into the other track again it ran straight ahead for a matter of four or five hundred yards slowing down three or four times to reconnoiter in its rear after that it ran in a zigzag line taking four or five jumps in one track crossing over into the other with a gigantic leap at an angle of not more than thirty degrees to its former direction then after another four or five bounds crossing back again and so on about every tenth jump was now a high leap for scouting purposes i should say it looked breathless frantic and desperate but it kept it up for several miles i am firmly convinced that rabbits distinguish between the man with a gun and the one without it this little animal probably knew that i had no gun but what was it to do it was caught on the road with us bearing down upon it it knew that it did not stand a chance of getting even beyond reach of a club if it ventured out into the deep loose snow there might be dogs ahead but it had to keep on and take that risk i pitied the poor thing but i did not stop i wished for a cross trail to appear so it would be relieved of its panic and at last there came one too which it promptly took and as if to prove still more strikingly how helpless many of our wild creatures are in the deep snow the third sight came we started a prairie chicken next it had probably been resting in the snow to the right side of the trail it began to run when the horses came close and in a sudden panic as it was it did the most foolish thing it possibly could do it struck a line parallel to the trail 
apparently the soft snow in which it sank prevented it from taking to its wings it had them lifted but it did not even use them in running as most of the members of its family will do it ran in little jumps or spurts trying its level best to keep ahead but the horses were faster they caught up with it passed it and slowly i pulled abreast its efforts certainly were as frantic as that of the rabbit had looked i could have picked it up with my hands its beak was open with the exertion the way you see chickens walking about with open beaks on a swooningly hot summer day i reached for the whip to lower it in front of the bird and stop it from this unequal race it cowered down and we left it behind we had by that time reached the narrow strip of wild land which separated the english settlements to the south from those of the russian germans to the north we came to the church and like everything else it rushed back to the rear the school on the correction line appeared strangely school was still on in that yellow building at the corner i noticed a cutter outside with a man in it who apparently was waiting for his children this is the fourth of the pictures that stand out in my memory the man looked so forlorn his horse a big hulking farm beast wore a blanket under the harness i looked at my watch it was twenty-five minutes past four here in the bush country where the pioneers carved the farms out of the wilderness the time kept is often oddly at variance with the time of the towns i looked back several times as long as i could see the building which was for at least another twenty minutes but school did not close still the man sat there humped over patiently waiting it is this circumstance i believe which fixed in my memory the exact hour at which i reached the correction line beyond on the first mile of the last road east there was no possibility of going fast this piece was blown in badly there was however always a trail over this mile-long drift the school of course had something to do with that but when you drive four feet above the ground with nothing but uncertain drifts on both sides of the trail you want to be chary of speeding your horses along one wrong step and a horse might wallow in snow up to his belly and you would lose more time than you could make up for in an hour's breathless career a horse is afraid too of trotting there and it takes a great deal of urging to make him do it so we lost a little time here but when a mile or so farther on we reached the bush we made up for it this last run of five or six miles along the correction line consisted of one single soft smooth bed of snow the trail was cut in sharply and never drifted each successive snowfall was at once packed down by the tree fellers and whoever drove along could give his horses the lines i did so too and the horses ran i relaxed i had done what i could do anxiety there was hardly any now a drive over more than forty miles made at the greatest obtainable speed blunts your emotional energies i thought of home to be sure did so all the time 
but it was with expectation now with nothing else within half an hour i should know then the bush opened up the last mile led along between snow-buried meadows school and house in plain view ahead there lay the cottage as peaceful in the evening sun as any house can look smoke curled up from its chimney and rose in a nearly perpendicular column i became aware of the colder evening air and with the chill that crept over me i was again overwhelmed by the pitifully lonesome looks of the place mostly i shouted when i drew near to tell of my coming to-day i silently swung up through the shrubby thicket in which the cottage and the stable behind it lay embedded and turned into the yard as soon as the horses stopped i dropped the lines jerked the door of the cutter back and jumped to the ground then i stood transfixed that very moment the door of the cottage opened there stood my wife and between her knee and the doorpost a curly head pushed through and a child's voice shouted daddy come to the house daddy come to the house a turn to the better had set in some time during the morning the fever had dropped and quickly as children's illness will come it had gone but the message had sped on its way irrevocable and therefore unrevoked my wife when she told me the tale thought well had she reason to smile for had i not thus gained an additional holiday End of section 8